What's up, everybody? This is Craig Stout. Welcome to another edition of the AP Laboratory, a special edition. We are in Houston Texans week officially. It is time to have some football content on this podcast that pertains to a week one matchup. I reached out to my good buddy, host of the Film Room on YouTube. He's got a great Mitchell Schwartz video up last month. If you are a Chiefs fan, want to know a little bit more about what Mitchell Schwartz is doing up front there, go seek that out on his YouTube page. His name is Brett Coleman. He is an X's and O's guy, perfect guy to come on this podcast, talk about some of the matchups, talk about Bill O'Brien, talk about what he felt in that playoff game when he started to see things go south for his Houston Texans. We are going to try and hit it all. It's a fantastic episode that we got into a lot of good stuff. So please enjoy this while you're waiting for the Houston Texans and the Kansas City Chiefs to kick off. I'm ecstatic. Brett's semi-ecstatic, and we're ready to go. And joining me now, host of The Film Room on YouTube and my good buddy that we got to hang out in Mobile this year at the Senior Bowl. Hopefully, there's a Senior Bowl to go to this next year so we can do that again. But Brett Coleman, a Houston Texans fan, coming on to talk about the Houston Texans versus the Chiefs. Brett, thanks for joining me, man. Thank you. I feel like uh, kind of marching to my own execution here, not going to lie. I got about eight (laughs) days to live. (laughs) See, there's so much hope. Everybody is 500 right now. Nobody's out ahead of anybody anybody yet. But here you are talking about your execution eight days before. I mean... See, you know it, damn well that us being ahead of the Chiefs doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, what's what's the line on the game right now? It's like 10, 10 and a half or something? And that's Ugh. generous. That's generous. You think? Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Well... I mean, if we had D-Hop, maybe... Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Let's let's start with the last time that these two teams played. Um, I know all these Chiefs fans thought it was pretty bleak. You know, the Chiefs have a very storied history of bombing out of the playoffs in spectacular fashion. And it sort of looked like the Texans were going to run it up on the Chiefs early. Describe the roller coaster that you went through as a Texans fan jumping out to that lead and then watching it sort of disintegrate under Patrick Mahomes. When it was, I think the score was 24-7. to It was right after the Chiefs' first touchdown. I tweeted, we're going to lose. Because, <laughs> A, I had watched the Chiefs all year long. I saw them in week two of last season against the Raiders, where they started out slow and then remembered like, oh yeah, we're the best team in the NFL. Let's do the thing that we always do and score 30 points in a quarter. And that happened. And I was like, that's about to happen here because Everything leading up to that 24 to 7 score, or at least most of it, was fake. You know, it's like we got we got the Chiefs on a pump and go. Whoop de doo. You know, there was a, a couple special teams mishaps, like it wasn't genuinely like we're out playing you. It was mm-hmm. it was a few dice rolls that went Houston's way. It was a couple cheeky play calls. You know, it was scrappy. Like you have to do that kind of stuff to beat the Chiefs. But I was like, there's they weren't actually dominating, like lining up talent for talent and dominating, which there's very few teams in the NFL that I think can actually do that to Kansas City. Houston is not one of them. They did it earlier in the year, but, you know, Pat on a gimpy ankle doesn't 
really count to me. I think that was also Tyreek's first game back. Like it was again. Yeah, was, he was on a pitch count. He yeah, was on a yeah, pitch yeah. count. You know, the run game is not the same, or at least wasn't the same at that time uh, compared to what I think it's going to be this year with Ceh. You know, the Chiefs' defense was still trying to figure it out under Spagnolo, and the, you know, you as a Chiefs' defensive breakdown guy, you know better than anybody that Chiefs' defense in Week Six was not the same as the Chiefs' defense in the playoffs. Like, not even remotely the same. It's no, just, it not was, even close. As a matter of fact, Darren Lee was still exactly, a starting linebacker in that exactly. game. Exactly. Yeah. Like it just it I I knew the circumstances around that twenty four to seven were hundred percent fake. And I was like, Yeah, we're gonna lose and then we did. And I, I was not surprised at all. I I'll tell you what, you are one of the few. I mean, I was standing in the stadium there watching the game and trying to keep the faith because I too was seeing, you know, the concepts develop in front of me for the Chiefs offense and they were just a click off Mm -hmm. you know with everything that was happening there but at the same time there was the small part of me that's a Chiefs fan since you know birth that has watched this team just crap away every single playoff game in my lifetime that just kind of expected oh man this is this is gonna happen again well, Travis, I think, also had like two drops on third and ten. He did. He did. And Demarcus Robinson had another big drop yeah. too that kind of killed the drive. Yeah. Like, okay, well, they're just getting that out of the way early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, I mean, it's they're one of those teams that when they click, there's literally nothing you can do. Yeah. Even, even San it's Francisco true. couldn't hold on for four quarters. When they are clicking, there is nothing you can do at all. So you mentioned him earlier. Uh, the video kind of went around and you guys had me on your bootleg football podcast you and ej snyder it's a great podcast go listen to it but you had me on the day after because you had such a visceral reaction to the kansas city chiefs drafting clyde edwards hilaire you were Mm -hmm. angry describe why you were angry for people who maybe missed that one so when ej was down at my house shortly after senior bowl this was i think right before the combine and we were just ripping through tape, you know, and I, I had I have like a couple terabytes of like, you know, college players. And we were just kind of going through it for like four days straight. And he he tends to save running backs for last because they're like candy to him. And I was uh-huh. like, let's just let's just watch this one, because I had seen the LSU Alabama game probably 20 times at that point. And I was oh. like, you, oh, you just you got to yeah. watch this. You got to watch this. And Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is the only football player that can make you take your eyes off Joe Burrow. And when you watch that Alabama game, he was the most dominant player on the field while being on the field with Jamar Chase, while being on the field with Xavier McKinney and and Burrow and Jefferson and all these Bama guys and Tua. He was the best player on the field, and he murdered Alabama. Like I he felt, murdered Xavier McKinney on the goal line with that spin move. Oh my that god! Was I obscene. felt so bad for Diggs too. I mean, I, he was just dragging him, <laughs> and you know we sat there just in in a mix of shock and disgust, and we're like, <laughs> okay, everybody loves Swift, everybody loves Taylor. We get that. We love them too. What's our worst case scenario as football fans? for where Clyde's going to go. And then we both looked at each other at the same time and said, oh, God, Kansas City. Because they had a need at running back. You know, Kareem Hunt was gone for a year at that point. And we liked Damian Williams, but we both looked at each other and said, you remember what happened when Andy Reid had Brian Westbrook? This is going to be worse. And then it happened, and I I lost my mind because (laughs) 
Like, it was worse for me than EJ, because EJ's a Bears fan. He, he only has to deal with this once every four years. I have to deal with it right. every year, probably yeah. twice. <laughs> and I look at the linebackers we have on the team, like Zach Cunningham, he's not covered him. Bernard McKinney, oh my God, no. We have nobody that can cover Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Nobody. <laughs> and I knew this was going to happen, and I knew it was going to ruin our playoff chances before the season even started. And I'm still just, again, in shock and disgust that my nightmare scenario happened. We can't do anything about it. <laughs> I mean, he's a literal perfect fit for Andy Reid. There is there is no player in the entire draft that fit Kansas City better than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Absolutely. People said Henry Ruggs. I was like, no, I, I, Henry, whatever. They're going to run four verts no matter who they have. They run it with Demarcus Robinson. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire on an angle route out of the backfield is uncoverable. And they are going to do that 10 times a game. And it allows them to run more inside zone, something that Damian Williams was not strong at. And Mm -mm. it sort of makes their run game a little less predictable. So it it is going to be one of those situations. I totally understood where you were coming from as a Houston Texans fan. It was like that was one of the spots where the Chiefs were weak on offense. And now all of a sudden that's gone. Like it makes everything that much harder on a defense to have to cover the plethora of weapons that the Chiefs already had. So, yeah, it's just rough. And it's funny because, like, that was one of the picks that I liked the most out of any team in the first round, and Chiefs fans hated it. Hated it. Hated it. Didn't want a round one running back. That was all it was. It wasn't anything to do with Clyde. It was didn't want a round one running back. And, I mean, to be fair, with my draft analysts, you know, I, I wanted a cornerback. I wanted Christian Fulton. That's that's the dude that I, I want. I would out of have that. been totally fine with Christian Fulton. And when you're looking at positional importance, yeah, sure, it makes sense. When you're looking at just who's the best football player, I mean, Clyde is going to make <laughs> an immediate huge difference on this team. So yes, yeah. All right, let's take a small break. We'll be back right after this to talk 2020 Texans and break down the Chiefs Texans Week One matchup right after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Talking about the Texans here, overall, I know you said, you know, you're marching to your execution how do you feel overall about the Texans as a group this year? How do you feel like they're going to be able to compete in the AFC South, strength of the schedule, you know, everything that you guys have going on? They're a good team. They're a scrappy team. Will they make the playoffs? Probably. 
whether it's as a division winner, as a wild card, because there's seven playoff teams now, like, you know, they're going to be up there with uh, Vegas, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, in terms of kind of scrapping it out for somewhere between the fourth and the seventh seed, I would imagine. They're not on Baltimore's level. They don't have the speed. They're not on Kansas City's level. They don't have the speed. Uh, the Patriots may... Well, honestly, the Patriots are wild card. I don't know what the hell the Patriots are. Yeah, they be. really are. Yeah. <laughs> but even... I would say they're like evenly matched or barely under Buffalo. And Buffalo is another one of those things. Where it's like really good team. Dangerous to anybody. You know, any given Sunday. But by no means would I ever consider Houston a favorite for the Super Bowl. They need a lot of things to go their way, like the things that led to that 24-7. to And then they also need to be even better than that. Yeah. And, like, Bill O'Brien, he's kind of an enigma because I think he's a good coach but a terrible GM, and the GM parts of him gets in the way of the coach parts of him. And uh, not to go on a tangent, but I'll give you a little something here. Uh, Lance Zerline, big Houston guy, gave a little nugget that because O'Brien was so wrapped up in GM duties last year, a lot of the times he didn't even get involved in install till like Friday or Saturday. Oh, and then man. he would, I know. And then he would come in and like change stuff the day before the game. And not to mention Deshaun was practicing with four string receivers because, you know, Hopkins was banged up and sitting out. Fuller was banged up and sitting out. Stills was getting veteran days. So he was practicing with four string guys for a game plan that would get changed the day before the game. And then people wonder why they always started so slow. Like that's why the Kansas City game was such an anomaly because they actually started fast for once. And I don't anticipate this arrangement of Bill getting involved in the game plan stages late. I don't anticipate that changing for 2020. So I still think they're going to start slow without DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that's that's the big one there. And I mean, I totally agree with Bill O'Brien. I think he's a fantastic offensive coordinator. I think he's a great play caller. Watching him sort of figure out what Steve Spagnuolo was doing early in that week six matchup mm-hmm. and go to more 12 personnel exploiting the Chiefs' heavier, slower linebackers, running kind of that that split-zone look with Darren Fells, kicking out in the flat, was just abusing Darren they couldn't Lee, stop Ben it. Neiman. They couldn't stop it. Darren Fells had his best game of the year against the Chiefs because they were doing that, and then the Chiefs would shift, and Carlos Hyde would get more touches inside the tackle. So it really was the perfect confluence there of Bill O'Brien torching what Steve Spagnuolo's tendencies to that point were. So, yeah, I think he's a phenomenal coach, but, yeah, he definitely has a bigger task ahead of him without DeAndre Hopkins, now bringing in Brandon Cooks there into the mix. It's going to be interesting to watch. As an outsider, when you look at Houston versus Tennessee, who I think are the two teams that people expect to be in contention for the division the most, I tend to favor Tennessee because I think they're they're built a little their their organizational structure is more streamlined for success in my Ooh, opinion. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Even though Houston, I think top end talent wise, Deshaun's a better quarterback. JJ's still an elite pass rusher. You can look at what he did against Mitch last year as evidence of that. He's one of the few pass rushers that actually beat Mitch frequently. Um, Merciless is still good. Like inside linebackers, they're good at stopping the run inside, even though they can't cover. Uh, we lost Reader, but we took Blacklock. I still think they're okay at defensive tackle. Reed's a good safety. They have some good man corners, terrible zone corners. Um, <laughs> you know, Fuller is still a good receiver when he's healthy. Stills is a good receiver when he's healthy. The offensive line, if they're healthy, is really good. Like, there's talent. I, I would say more talent in Houston than in Tennessee. But in terms of coaching and organizational structure, which are the two things that I think translate to wins more often than not with successful franchises, 
Tennessee's better. Yeah, I and I don't disagree with that. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's why people are so high on the Texans year after year is because you look at the talent on paper and you say, oh my God, these, these guys should win a crap load of games because they have <laughs> all this talent. And they do. I mean, they still, it's not like they're a bad football team by any means. It's not, we're not talking about the Chargers here that every yeah. year everybody goes gaga over because of their talent on paper and then they can't put it together. But it is going to be maybe a limiting factor in them being able to get over that hump like you had said earlier. Yeah, there's a reason why Andy Reid was so important for you guys, because he's Andy frickin' Reid. Yes, he is. And he, he's about to get a bunch of free cheeseburgers now that he's got that ring. Um, <laughs> let's switch to the game here. Looking at a matchup that you are a little bit afraid of in Kansas City, somebody that you think might be able to exploit the Houston Texans a little bit. There's a very specific game plan that you need to do to stop Kansas City's offense. And it works, but my Lord, is it really hard to do. And it is being able to generate pressure on Pat so that he doesn't stay in the pocket while also having the speed to chase him outside of the pocket before he does that kind of, you know, roll to his right wizardry kind of stuff where he's looking one way and manipulating a defense and then throwing back across his body to Travis who's just hanging out on the far hash. Like, he's really, really good outside of the pocket against zone defenses, and he's really, really good inside the pocket against man defenses. So what you need to do is you need to play man and then get him outside of the pocket. So that means lots of stunts, making sure that your fastest guys are always out on the edge on those stunts. So they were running, um, when I did the, the Mitchell Schwartz breakdown, I kind of broke down a, a stunt in the Clemson playbook. It's referred to as easy, which is the end going inside and the linebacker twisting outside. You need to do that a lot so that you have your faster guys, i.e. the linebackers, chasing after Pat on the edge rather than having a defensive tackle chasing after Pat on the edge. Because if he's if he's got, you know, DJ Reader running after him, he's got more time to look downfield and set up a better throw. If he's got Cunningham running after him, now he's got to make the throw a little bit quicker and it might be a few feet off, which is what we saw in the Week 6 game where he just barely missed Tyreek in the corner of the end zone when they ran that easy stunt. So, again, you need to, you need to be not afraid to play man coverage. You need to be not afraid to blitz, not afraid to stunt. But really... It comes down to execution because the back end has to stick to their guys for those three seconds for those stunts to pay off. So there is a very clear game plan when you look at tape, when you look at metrics that has worked, but it's really hard to do. <laughs> They're going to try it. They're definitely going to try it. You know, Lonnie Johnson's going to be on Travis Kelsey. Um, I would imagine that Conley's still going to be outside. I would imagine... Um, Looking at their depth chart, I would imagine Reed's still going to be free safety. Roby's still going to be outside. Nickel, we haven't heard too much about it. Probably going to be Vernon at first, and then maybe John Reed. Like I, I think John Reed's a better player, but that's just me. I love John Reed, by the oh, way. He's, John he's Reed's great. one of my dudes. Yeah, yeah. He's great. So like they have the horses to play man coverage. It's not like they're going to go out and lock down Tyreek and all those guys. No, but they no. can do it. It's just it's all about execution. And if there's one team that punishes poor execution better than anybody, it's Kansas City. So we'll probably know eight minutes into this game if that game plan's going to work. <laughs> I think it's I think it's funny because, yes, that's exactly how teams have taken it to Mahomes and the Chiefs receivers in the past. They play man. 
Sammy Watkins is eventually going to get hurt, potentially you know, <laughs> minutes into this game. That's basically what it works. So if you can bracket Tyreek Hill and play good enough man on Travis Kelsey, you don't have the horses for the Chiefs to really be man beaters and everything like that. We've seen Andy be reluctant to call man beating concepts. That week six matchup was a prime example of that. Yes, Tyreek was coming back. They didn't have Watkins, but they weren't dialing up those concepts because Andy Reid thinks we're just going to run what we're going to run. And Mm -hmm. he did. And you saw what happened in that Texans game, Lions game, similar sort of deal where they just lined up and played man. Colts game, they lined up and played played man man more than anybody in the league. It was like 54% or something like that. Absolutely. And they had the horses to do it on the back end, kind of like the Texans do there. Question here. Who in that setup, as you were going through the secondary there, who would you put on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? Would you kick a strong safety down against him out in the flat? You can't do you can't do a linebacker. Can't do a linebacker. Can't right. do a linebacker. So I'm assuming Lonnie's going to be on Travis, mm-hmm. size wise. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming that they're going to have uh, Gary and Brad outside. So, honestly, let me know if this sounds weird. If, you, <laughs> if the Chiefs go out in 11, uh-huh. would, would you use Justin Reed and swap him out for Murray and put Justin Reed as a quasi-strong safety shadowing? Like, And this is only in like third-down situations. Quasi strong safety going out there with like a five corner dime with Reed solely being responsible for Edward Solaire out of the backfield. I think that that's probably your best man on man matchup. I think the the issue that you might run into there is are you going to have somebody try and top Tyree Kill? Or are you going to try and count on? Gary and Conley or, you know, Roby to match up. It might up depend on where him. they put, because, you know, sometimes they'll put Tyreek in the slot. They will, yeah. To, to hide him from that, or mm-hmm. if they want to give him a little bit more space to get to the boundary. Because if they line him up wide, I, I think Conley, even though he doesn't have the speed of Tyreek, he at least has the physicality, I think, to kind of squeeze him into the boundary. But if they put yeah. Tyreek in the slot... And, and you're running like Hoss or something like that, where there's all the space in the world for him to just run around it, that's a problem that any team would have, really. Sure, sure. Know. Yeah, it's not just the Texans in that instance. I'm just thinking, I do agree, Justin Reed's probably the best matchup to try and eliminate Clyde Edwards-Hilaire on those angle routes. Oh, I'm not. I'm not even saying Justin Reed. Justin Reed, I leave my safety. I'm. Oh, you're talking about John Reed. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. I could because then because then you just take Murray off the field. Yeah, and then you're going five corners and dime. And John Reed's a willing tackler. He's a yeah. big enough guy to follow a guy like Clyde Edwards-Helaire. I, I could see something like that. That'd be an interesting way for them to come out. And by no means do I want Murray on Clyde. Right? <laughs> I mean, Chiefs fans are very well aware how little you want Eric Murray on Clyde Edwards-Helaire. Like saying, "Oh, I want Sorensen to cover Clyde." Okay, good luck hey, with that. Hey, 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 hang on. One of those guys has a ring. Oh God! <laughs> uh, let's go with a player or a matchup that you think that the Texans can exploit from Kansas City here. You know, on offense, I think they actually do do have some advantages. Um, 
kind of the same type of thing. I don't think they have any linebackers that can cover Duke Johnson. They don't. Um, I mean, well, we'll see Willie, with Willie, Willie Gay, Gay can, but, but I don't know if he's going to start. Play him. Yeah, yeah don't I don't know if he's going to start. Like maybe if they just bring him in on third downs mm-hmm. in like a sub package or something like that, maybe. Uh, he's the only athletic linebacker they have that can do it. But again, we're not sure if he's actually going to play. I don't necessarily think they have, other than Ward, any corners that can really stick with Fuller. But again, it's the same kind of thing with Watkins. Like how long is he going to stay healthy? Um, but if, let's see, does Ward stick only to the left side? Does he, or does he move? He last year was only left side, but he was actually lining up on the right a little bit in camp this year. The first year that he came in, he lined up on the right as well. I think it's just going to depend. It looks like Legereus Sneed is going to be the starter opposite him. So it's whatever side Legereus Sneed feels most comfortable in, Ward will kick over to the other side. If they can get Fuller on Sneed. I'll mm-hmm. take that all day. Yeah. I'm, Fuller is a savvy enough receiver that I think that he will kind of baptize uh, Lecherius need a little bit by fire there. That's that's a little bit of a scary matchup. That's yeah. Again, it's the same thing with Tyreek. You know, only so many people on this planet run 4-2. Yeah. Yeah, and, absolutely. <laughs> and, I mean, Lecherius need is fast and long, but he's also – this is going to be rep one in the NFL lining <laughs> yeah. up against a receiver like Will Fuller. That's a little bit scary. That's that's probably the thing that scares me the most as a Chiefs fan, kind of seeing what that spot's going to be. The other option is Rashad Fenton, and Rashad Fenton does not have that speed. No. Uh, he he may have a little bit more savvy with you know framing releases and things like that than LeJarrius Sneed does, but he does not have that sort of speed to be able to track Will Fuller. Yeah, I... I would be very interested to see if they maybe use Tyron on the backs on third down and then leave Juan deep just to kind of protect the linebackers from themselves. I could totally see that happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, it's it's the corners versus all this. Because, you know, Kenny Stills can still run. Brandon yeah. Cooks is Brandon Cooks, but at least he's got Brandon speed. Brandon Cooks is a good receiver. Yeah. You know, uh, like it's it's the speed factor for Houston that I still am not quite sure Kansas City can deal with. And I think if they kind of take a page, if Houston takes a page out of Kansas City's book and just says, we're going to run four verts 30 different ways, <laughs> that can yeah. work for them. And then maybe their only shot is if they turn this into a shootout. But it's not like Pat Mahomes isn't comfortable in a shootout. True, so true. I think either way, whatever the over-under for this game is, bet the over. Yeah. Because worst case scenario, Kansas City's gonna cover it themselves. But <laughs> I I would not be shocked to see Houston also put up a, a pretty healthy amount of points here. All right. We'll wrap it up with this and we'll let you get out of here. Game prediction here. What how do you see this going? KC wins by twelve. The question is what's the actual score i would imagine something like 35 to like 23 okay i think houston starts out slow as they normally do and then comes out blazing the second half but i I just don't think it's enough you know i could see i could see honestly this game being like 20 to 7 at halftime and then ending up 35 to 35 23 when pat's like i'm pat mahomes i'm gonna do my third quarter thing (laughs) that's fair that's fair 
All right. Well, thank you very much to Brett Coleman for joining me. Uh, everybody go follow him on Twitter. Go subscribe to The Film Room on YouTube and subscribe to Bootleg Football Podcast. Brett, thank you so much for joining me, man. Thanks for having me. Go ahead, cover Clyde and man. <laughs> He's going to get 15 catches. <laughs>